My name is Damali Sunny and I welcome you to this episode of the Ideation Corner. The Ideation Corner is a space where ideas are discussed and dissected. And today I host Vanessa Nakate. Vanessa is a climate justice activist and the author of The Bigger Picture. And she's going to tell us all about it. Vanessa, you're very welcome. Thank you so much. Right. I'm very happy to be here and to also you know, know that through this many people can get inspired to do something about the environment you know, and about the lives of the people. I remember in 2018, I started to do a lot of research about some of the challenges that the people in my country, Uganda, were facing. And when I realized that climate change was one of those challenges, I was actually surprised. We all know climate change in school to just be the changes in weather patterns over a long period of time. But we, we are not told the reality of what's actually happening on the ground. So I started to read more about climate change to understand the causes, but also understand the impacts of this crisis. And as I read through the impacts, I realized that some of these things were already unfolding in Uganda. For example, the floods, the landslides, the droughts. So with the rising you know, global temperatures, there are these changes in weather patterns causing these climate disasters. And when I saw how much it threatens so many people, threatens Uganda as an economy, because we know that we know that Uganda heavily depends on agriculture, you know, for the survival of so many communities. And where the climate crisis is, it means, you know, crops getting dried up in intense heat or uh, farms getting destroyed and washed away because of landslides or because of floods. So this was a challenge for so many people because in the end, a lack of rain means starvation for so many people. And you know, too much rainfall means destruction. And you know, when you're in Kampala sometimes, you know, you don't think about what happens beyond your family or beyond your house. But when you start to look and you see how people's lives are impacted, for example, in places in Kasese, areas, you know, around Mount Elgon, you realize how much climate change is actually real and affecting so many people. So in that time, I decided that I, I had to do something about it. I had to use my voice and my platforms to demand for climate justice and to also create awareness because there is need, there is need for people you know, to know about this challenge because when people know, you know, they always find something to do. If you know that you're in a burning house, you do everything you can to get out of that house. So that's why we believe creating awareness for the climate crisis is so important because we need as many you know, climate activists as possible to rise up for the people and for the planet. So what I did personally, being inspired by Greta Thunberg from Sweden, who had started uh, the climate strikes, I also started striking you know, every Friday and sharing, you know, most of my strikes on social media. I started to reach out to different communities. I started to reach out to schools as well, you know, to create this awareness about, you know, climate issues, but not only to create or communicate the crisis, but to also communicate 
the power in people's voices, the power in people's actions in transforming this world and making it a better place for all of us. So along the way, I have you know, got to work with different activists within Uganda to do different projects, different, different programs, you know, and I think it's been three years now mm-hmm. of activism. And like you said, last year, my book was launched, mm-hmm. A Bigger Picture. And, you know, A Bigger Picture tells, it tells a story mm-hmm. of me when I started my activism and why I started my activism. But it doesn't just talk about my story, but it also talks about stories of different activists in Uganda, different activists across the African continent. Because I thought it was important, you know, to have more voices, more stories and more experiences included, you know, in this book. Every activist has a story to tell and every story has a solution to give and every solution has a life to change. So. It was very important for me to have, you know, different voices, different activists, you know, have their work mentioned and talked about in a bigger picture. And, you know, in a bigger picture, I also talk about some intersections of climate change and the other issues, you know, that affect people. For example, I remember months, you know, when I had just started striking for climate, many people, you know, would make comments like, why are you fighting for the climate? And yet, you know, you could fight for poverty instead to end poverty, because that's what's happening in many places. But then I started to educate myself about how, you know, poverty intersects with climate change. And I got to understand that as you know, the climate disasters, as they destroy people's homes, as they as they destroy schools, you know, as they destroy people's farms, people's sources of income, people are actually left in poverty, in extreme poverty. So I got to understand that the climate crisis actually creates poverty traps that are passed on to you know generations in communities and i realized that we can't have you know climate justice without you know poverty eradication and we cannot have um you know poverty eradication without climate justice the two go hand in hand i started to explore more and learn more you know about you know things like zero hunger and realizing if climate change is leaving millions of people with no access to food, that means that we can't achieve zero hunger without climate justice. We've seen, you know, the recent Eastern African drought that ha- that left more than 26 million people with no access to food and no access to water. So in a bigger picture, I also talk about these connections of you know, the climate crisis and other issues. Okay. I am so glad that in the bigger picture, you, you, first of all, you're detailing your journey. Yeah. But then also you're giving a platform to the other climate activists yeah. <laughs> who are in the space. And um, I also then remember also the, you tend to talk about there can't be climate justice without racial justice. So in what context do you put that? Yeah, um, you know, that's again another intersection of climate change and, you know, for example, racial injustice. You know, racial injustice and climate injustice can be talked about in a number of forms and I'll just mention some of them. 
for example we realize that you know black people or black communities are the ones who are on the front lines of the climate crisis you know starting with the african continent itself historically africa as a continent is responsible for less than four percent of global emissions and yet many africans are already suffering some of the most brutal impacts of the climate crisis you know i've already i've given you examples of what climate change has done in uganda examples of how you know the, the Eastern Africa drought that left more than 26 million people dead and sorry not dead um, hungry hungry and failing to access you know food and water and then you know that there was a tropical storm Anna in that landed in southern Africa just a few days back and it has caused massive destruction you know in areas of Madagascar Malawi Mozambique leaving you know over 80 people dead thousands you know losing their homes schools have have also been destroyed you know power lines have been buried and people you know have no access to electricity as well and when you know when you look at how the climate crisis has been affecting some of these regions you realize that just in 2019 you know cyclone idai ripped apart large parts of the african continent and it's still the same countries mozambique malawi that were so impacted and it left more than 1300 people dead so the climate crisis is you know already destroying vast parts of the african continent and that's an injustice because in the end we know that africa is one of the least contributors of co2 emissions okay. we've also seen black communities not just in africa but even in the united states even in europe even in the uk many black residences are in places you know that are exposed to air pollution to water pollution i can give the example of the flint water crisis you know that exposed so many black children to unclean you know unclean water there's a story of a young girl um in in the uk whose death was recently connected to air pollution a young black girl so these are some of the you know the issues of you know race and climate and also to bring it in the perspective of who is being listened to in some of these spaces while africa you know while the african continent is on the front lines of the climate crisis it is not on the front pages of the world's newspapers and we've seen different activists from africa struggle to have their voices listened to you know their voices platformed and amplified probably through interviews or through conferences the previous you know cop 26 which just ended last year i saw how some you know activists couldn't make it to the cop because they couldn't access vaccination because of vaccine oh. iniquities because you know they couldn't access funding or accreditation to attend the conference so in the end how can we have climate justice if the most affected people are not in the climate conversations so in the end we can't have you know climate justice without racial justice mm -hmm. the two go hand in hand and intersect with each other because it's like one system and if one part of the system is broken eventually the whole system will come crashing down okay so you did mention you uh, africa contributing less than four percent to the 
to the global emissions. Global emissions, and on top of that, our African voices not necessarily being given the audience, the platforms to yeah. be able to air that, and yet they're the same com communities that are affected the most. What do you feel can be done about that by what well, first of all the people themselves we the africans but then also maybe also the governments yeah um we as african people we have a responsibility to speak out for ourselves you know if if you're not given a table you know you create that table for yourself so we have a responsibility to speak out for ourselves and use our platforms to demand for climate justice you know for the african continent because when you really think about how it is one of the least emitters and yet it is among the most affected uh, by the climate crisis that enough should you know give you the push you need to demand for climate justice for the african continent and when it comes to the african leaders there's a there's a huge responsibility on the african leaders to unite behind the science to unite with the activists and help us in demanding for climate justice and one of the ways is through some of the investments you know that african leaders accept in african countries they are harmful to biodiversity you know to ecosystems to the planet itself so one of the ways is saving investments you know and having investments that don't harm the people and the planet but investments that ensure that the people are protected and the planet you know is also protected and the other thing as we go, you know, as we head towards COP27, it's going to be in Egypt. It's going to be on African land, on African soil, you know. So it's a huge opportunity for African leaders to really unite together and put demands on, you know, climate issues like climate finance, you know, to talk about the loss and damage that is already happening on the African continent when it comes to the climate crisis. Because when we, you know, we as activists, we will speak and demand, but we need the leaders as well to come in, you know, the ones who end up in those negotiation rooms to come in and unite as you know African leaders to put a demand especially for climate finance and you know talking about climate finance you've you know you've asked what what needs to be done for the African continent you know to make things better we need climate finance we need climate finance for adaptation climate finance for mitigation you know climate finance for loss and damage you know as we see the climate crisis you know loss and damage is already happening you know loss and damage is leaving so many people with nothing you know people are losing cultures people are losing their histories and we can't adapt to lost histories we can't adapt to lost identities we cannot adapt to starvation we can't adapt to you know the losses and the damages that are happening because of the climate crisis so it's important that you know a demand is put a demand for climate finance because we know who caused the climate crisis and we know who needs to pay you know for the climate crisis this is a matter of reparations giving climate finance to vulnerable countries that are you know already suffering the worst impacts of the climate crisis so that they can easily build you know build uh, greener economies for their citizens 
you know we've seen we've had questions like you know we've seen scenarios where african nations are facing so much pressure to transition you know and yet this transition also threatens you know people in terms of employment so the question is how are african nations going to transition you know to greener economies without having to bury the people in extreme poverty so there is a huge responsibility for the global north to provide climate finance for adaptation mitigation loss and damage so that african nations can easily build and transition their economies you know to more sustainable economies so that in the end the planet is protected and people are protected people are not buried into extreme poverty and more suffering okay thanks you, uh, you mentioned cop 27 and recently you guys were at cop 26 yeah of uh, i didn't follow it very closely but of the pe people views i saw yeah it appeared that people felt like nothing it was more talking yeah talking and talking and talking was that do you feel that was your same opinion and also do you think then cop 27 will be any different well um i can for say we've had 26 cops i forget and <laughs> you know with all these 26 cops emissions have continued to rise temperatures have continued to rise and the climate crisis has continued to escalate and people have continued to suffer and while at the cop you know there are these celebrations within the halls that you know something was happening something positive was happening and then you know as the cop was almost coming to an end there's this climate tracker that shows us that we are on a pathway of 2.4 degrees celsius with all the commitments and promises you know that have been made by the leaders so you realize that 2.4 degrees is global devastation for so many communities it is a death sentence for so many communities 1.2 degrees is already you we, know we at 1.2 yes and we are on a pathway to get to 2.4 yes that's what the climate tracker showed but we're going to double it it's more like doubling it yeah mm -hmm. so 1.2 is already disastrous for so many people especially you know on the african continent so what will 2.4 degrees do so you realize that even with the commitments we are still speeding up in the wrong direction and you know as we head to cop 27 my message to leaders is that commitments will not stop the warming of the planet and promises will not stop the global temperatures from rising up the pledges will not stop the suffering of people because we've had all these cops i haven't attended all of them but i'm certain they've been full of commitments and promises and pledges and yet the situation continues to get worse so it won't be commitments or promises or pledges that will save the planet it will be real action and that's what we hope to see at cop 27 okay you did talk about climate finance my question me, me not knowing much about this climate crisis i follow it from the you know from an observer and is there already money for climate finance have they provided that money or are there just commitments for climate finance well um a few years back 100 billion dollars was promised by you know 
the global north for vulnerable countries to be able to you know cope with the climate crisis and it has not yet been delivered so those those are some of the you know the challenges that we that we see you know in the climate conversations that even the promised money has not yet been delivered you know for the countries that are vulnerable to the climate crisis and we also saw no separate fund was put in place you know for loss and damage at the cop 26 but we hope to change that you know with continuous activism at cop 27 okay that's great and then uh, you did talk about you know and I, I, I noticed that you you're taking a big push opposition on ensuring that you well most people know you they don't know the other activists but i see that you're really working hard in ensuring that it's not just you there are others yeah and in fact come to think of it even your book is that you also put your journey but also the journeys of others yeah how important do you think that is and then also i would like to know how many other activists have you put in who are not necessarily from uganda but other african countries yeah i think it's important for everyone to tell their own experience, you know. I, I may have, you know, statistics about what is happening in Kenya, maybe through the news, but I don't have that personal experience. And yet another activist who lives in Kenya has that, you know, personal experience and they can easily articulate what is happening in their communities. So that's why I think it's important for every activist to tell their own story, to tell their own experience. I think that's how you know we will ensure that we have you know, climate justice when everyone is really listened to. That's why it's really important for people to know that the climate movement is more than one face or two faces or three faces. It has millions of faces from different parts of the world. And in a bigger picture, like I said, it goes beyond activists in Uganda, but you'll find, you know, activists from Kenya, Nigeria, Togo, more activists from, you know, the African continent. Are there any measures that you guys are going to take to ensure that now that COP27 is going to be in Egypt on the African continent, that we will have more African voices, African faces present, you know, advocating? Because they can shut you up by just not showing you, even if you're there, it's happened yeah. to you, you were there and then they cut you out of a picture mm. twice, I think it's happened. Or you yeah. know, they record and then you're part of the table and then you're not in the camera view yeah. of that. Or you're there and then they don't even mention your name. But what can the African activists do that at least this time COP27 is on the African continent, what can we ensure that our voice now is even louder? Well, I think the first step would be ensuring that we have as many climate activists as possible from the African continent. And that's something we are also like working on and discussing, you know, to ensure that, you know, organizations support activists to go to the COP. I think that is the first, you know, the first step in ensuring that the different activists from Africa are listened to, that they make it to the COP in Egypt. And well, I think the other thing about ensuring that we are not removed from conversations or you know cropped out you just never know when you're going to be cropped out <laughs> or removed from a conversation but you know what happens after that you know that maybe that incident that is what we need to do to speak out you know mm -hmm. against you know 
those things to continuously speak out against that and continuously use our platforms because again we we are not you know in the editing spaces of those pictures or you know those places where they decide who to be shown but we can still continue to push our voices even when such incidences happen we ask why mm -hmm. you know they have happened i think that's very important okay um we've been talking about the bigger picture where can someone find the book how much does it cost which bookstores is it and well um the, a bigger picture can be found at uh, African Writers Trust. Mm -hmm. um, they are located in Chaliwajala. But you can find them on Twitter and they can give you like information on how you can find them. And then a restock. I won't say, you know, prices because libraries set their set own the prices <laughs> so yeah but you can aristoc mm -hmm. um, that's in kampala mm -hmm. and african writers trust okay yeah. how long did it take you to to write a couple of months i wrote it mm -hmm. um i started writing it in 2020 the, mm -hmm. the period of you know when, when we COVID, were in, the when lockdown. We in lockdown mm -hmm. yeah so a couple of months maybe 10 10 okay yeah. <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> I, I always try to understand people's process of writing because i also wrote a book oh. and it was a different process it was yeah. a hectic process i felt and why did you decide to write a book well um i never actually decided to write mm. a book i was um reached out to by a lady um her name is joanna johanna yeah she reached out to me and you know she was working with a publishing company in germany and she was you know telling me how it would be important you know for them to publish a book that was you know written by me and how you know they would like to amplify and support my voice and that's when I started to think that I could write a book. So it wasn't my initial thought. <laughs> no, it was initiated by someone else. Okay, yeah. but it's good that you jumped on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I did. Because in a way you're trying to balance that while you're being cropped out and cut out. Uh, at least there's someone saying, no, actually, I want to hear your voice. I want to give it uh, an opportunity to, you know, to be heard. Yeah. And then uh, was it you then who decided also to include others? Because you yes. could have just written your story. Yeah, it was, you know, when I decided, when, you know, the, the lady reached out, now I started to ask myself, what would I write about in this book? <laughs> yeah, so the different, you know, things I write about, it's just me writing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Vanessa, we've come to the end of our discussion. Yeah. Thank you so much. Is You're there any, any lasting words you'd like to say, anything you want to emphasize? Yeah, um, I think I would just love to say that, you know, whoever watches this or listens to this, that Earth is our home and it's our responsibility. And we can all find something that we can do, you know, to ensure that, you know, our planet is protected and also the people are protected. It doesn't matter the resources that the resources that you have, you know, no action is too small to make a difference and no voice is too small as well to make a difference. When we put all these actions together, 
we realize how much we are actually transforming not only our communities but transforming you know the world and lastly to just say thank you to you for giving me this platform to talk about climate activism i appreciate it thank you so much ladies and gentlemen there you had it from vanessa nakate you can get her book the bigger picture from aristoc or the african writers trust uh, please look out for it please go find it please listen to the interview please take her um, advice on no voice is too small no action is too small for us to protect the environment thank you so much